Hi, I'm Trevor Cochran and this is The Garden Gurus Live, a weekly show where I'll share seasonal gardening advice, feature a variety of gardeners from all across Australia and give listeners the opportunity to interact and ask your garden questions. To join the chat live and ask your gardening questions, all you need to do is like our Facebook page and tune in every Friday at 12pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. This program is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and Scott's Performance Naturals. Scott's Performance Naturals is the 100% natural and sustainable way to grow and feed your garden. Backed by years of research and developed by scientists, the technology employed enhances natural processes, allowing extra strong growth. The Performance Naturals range contains organic materials such as Nature-N, blood and bone, seaweed, biostimulants, manure and feather meal to improve the soil and encourage microbial and earthworm activity. To find out more about the Scott's Performance Naturals range, head to lovethegarden.com.au. Hello, welcome to The Garden Gurus Live. I'm Trevor Cochran. It's great to be back with you this week. We've got a fantastic program packed for you today, and this is your chance to ask questions, your questions about your garden, and I will do my very best to answer them. I have some special guests joining me today too. So just remember, when you do ask your questions, make sure you tell us where you're from. It's really important. And as a consequence of that, and because of our special guests joining us today, we will have a fantastic prize. In fact, we've got a few prizes coming up. Uh, for the best questions through the day. So um, the next hour, we will be answering all of them. I've got, uh, what have I got? I've got coming up, Love the Garden's going to join the program again this morning. We've got a special guest talking about uh, fantastic lawn care clips. In fact, uh, tips. This is actually a really important thing because today's show will give you the trick to getting that lawn looking lush, green and healthy. So that's uh, the first, first thing coming up. And then uh, Bonnie Marie will be joining us a bit later on from Melbourne. I'm really excited about that. It's great to see things heading in the right direction in Melbourne, in fact, all over the country. Now, before we do get into any questions, I thought I might just pass a comment about the weather because uh, pretty much in every capital city around the country, it's 21 or 22, with the exception of Brisbane, at about 31 today, and Perth. 37, 37 degrees. Can you believe it? It was actually raining here just a couple of days ago and quite cool. So we're starting to see those really dramatic swings as we get to the end of spring over here. And that's the time when you start planting certain plants and get really good results quite quickly. And those plants I'll talk about a bit later because we're all going to be in this sort of situation pretty soon. Now we did have and, and I, I really need to stop and apologise because there's been a large number of people who have been writing in and asking questions and we're just overwhelmed with it. We are trying to answer as many as we can via uh, The Garden Gurus Live each Friday. And on Monday, we're going to do a special Q&A session as well because there are so many coming through. Please don't get upset if we haven't answered your question. A couple of people have got a bit narky and that's okay, I understand. Please don't get upset. Please be patient with us. We will answer your questions. There are just so many coming through. It is amazing. Now, the good thing is we will be answering them today, so please post them. And I will answer a couple that are outstanding that you might be uh, quite interested to know about. Now, Carlos is in Sydney. He's got two fig trees, and he's noticed the leaves are curling and changing colour. Now, that's highly likely to be red spider mite or two spotted mites. So, if you're seeing the leaves start to curl in, the mites are actually starting to lay their eggs. They're pulling, they actually have a webbing kind of structure that they set up and they're pulling the leaves down and they'll be changing colour because they're sucking all the goodness out of those leaves. I suspect that that's what you've got, Carlos. So there's a couple of solutions. There are mite sprays. Um, my personal preference is to go and get some predatory mites and there's a website called The Good Bug company or the good bug website. I can't think of what it's called exactly, but just Google it. And they provide you predatory mites that you can then stick into the garden. And they literally turn up in the mail. You open a tube up, you won't see them. They're tiny, just like the uh, two spotted mite is or the red spider mite that's causing the damage. And within about three weeks, they'll get on top of it. Now, it's not going to help the leaves that are deteriorated, but um, it, it, they will, there will be new growth and that won't be affected by the bugs, so that'll that'll help. Norris has asked about three mariposa plum trees, about 10 years old and they've yielded no fruit for the last couple of years. Now, two are in the front garden, one's in the back. There's lots of green leaves. Um, 
Norris prunes them every year and feeds them. Are we pruning too hard? Does the cold at flower affect it? The answer is it could be that. You could be cutting away uh, all of the flowering wood, but if it's coming into flower in spring, it should be producing fruit. And if it's not, there's then a couple of things that it could be. When you're feeding, if you're using a very high nitrogen-based fertiliser, you can end up with just lots of growth. The plant doesn't really feel it needs to do anything with regards to producing fruit. So sometimes it doesn't produce a lot of fruit, but it should still produce fruit. The other thing that's probably more likely is that um, plums require cross-pollinators. And if you don't have the right cross-pollinator nearby and the bees are not transferring the pollen um, between flowers, you may not actually just be getting pollination. And that's, a, that's more of a significant problem. Now, if you're wondering what the varieties are that you should be cross-pollinating with, Narum bean is a, is a great one. Santa Rosa is another one. Two very common plums, really good eating plums. And uh, salad is another one. It's a little less common, lovely eating fruit. So I hope that helps, Norris. Jill in Bond Beach, Victoria. She's renting. She's got some grevilleas in pots. And it's a mobile garden. So uh, the roots are starting to grow into the ground through the bottom of the pots and she wants to know whether she can safely repot them, even if she's got to cut some roots. Now, grevilleas are very sensitive when it comes to roots. They don't like their roots being damaged. If you are going to do it, if you have to do it, um, the first thing I would do is I would pick them up, put them into a bucket of seaweed solution, um, let them soak it up a little bit, leave it for maybe two hours, go through and cut all the roots off the bottom of the pot, anything that's hanging out of the pot put it back in the bucket, leave it for about 20 minutes. Then take it out of the pot, repot into some really good potting mix. Now, probably the best of the best is the Osmocote um, Premium. I, I love the, the Premium Plus, the blue bag one. Um, I'm using it all the time at home and the results I get are sensational. Doesn't matter whether it's exotics, doesn't matter whether it's natives, they all respond really well to it. So. I hope that helps, Jill. Um, Helen in Clifton, Queensland. Hello, everybody in Queensland. I have a 20-year-old olive tree. Now, it's losing most of its leaves. And is this, is this normal for it to do or do you have a problem? Uh, the answer is yes, as we were just talking about the extremes of weather and as soil starts to dry as we come out of winter, and it has been very dry in Queensland as well, um, the natural tendency of any plant, any tree, a native or an exotic like an olive, is that they will drop a certain portion of their leaves. Quite literally, what they can't support, the tree manages the, the, the moisture load and it'll start reducing its foliage. So that's probably what you're seeing. Um, if you want to stop it from dropping fruit, I would increase a little bit of water to it. But olives are renowned for loving being... Um, water stressed. It actually does assist with the quality of the fruit and the amount of fruit you produce. So I would probably leave it um, as it is unless the tree is starting to look really woody. And then I'd give it a prune, give it a bit of sea sole or something like that, and then just make sure the water's just up to it. Annette, we don't know where you're from, Annette, but it doesn't matter with this one because you've got a fiddle, I think you've called it a fiddle wood. It's a fiddle leaf fig in a pot inside and it's about a metre high. The stem's gone black and the leaves are showing brown patches on them. Classic sign of a, um, it's an absolute classic sign of a um, water stress situation. It's probably time to repot. You said you've done it with a uh, premium potting mix and you fertilised with a slow release fertiliser, probably something like Osmocote. Um, and that's great and that'll really help. Uh, but what you need is a little bit of warm weather because they do like it warm and probably just a bit more light and that will help and that'll fix that problem. But keep the moisture up. Typically, it's about two glasses in a 250ml pot that's about that big. Uh, it's about two full cups or glasses of water twice a week is ideal. Make sure you've got a little tray underneath and anything that flows through the soil will be sucked back up. How's that? Flying at things already. Um, we've got so much going on and I'm really excited because we've got Alicia Lamond joining us from Love the Garden. Alicia, hello, how are you going? Now let me see if I've got everything going right here. How are you going there? Have we got Alicia coming up guys? Microphone mute. Microphone mute. 
Well, let's see if we can make fix that problem. Alicia, how are you looking there? No, I don't think we're, we're not getting any, uh, any words through just at the moment. So what I might do is I might just continue whilst we just sort out this little technical glitch. Uh, we will, uh, we'll keep moving through and I'll answer a few more of your questions. My weeping cherry has suddenly got brown leaves and appears to be dying. What should I do? You should be doing something right now. This is Ute. I think I've, I hope, hopefully I've got that right. Ute, Ute, Ute in uh, Melbourne. Um, and uh, what should I do? Well, look, you know what? It's a difficult thing at the moment. Um, when you've got weeping cherries that start deteriorating, it could be one of quite a few different things. They, they really can be quite, particularly if they're young and new, um, they can be quite sensitive. Um, so trimming back any of the material that's, that's gone off is going to help. Giving it a good soak with a seaweed solution is also going to help enormously. And um, my suggestion would be that, um, that you do that. Uh, definitely make sure that you've got consistent moisture levels. That's actually vitally important with these things. D in Toowoomba in Queensland. Again, hello everybody up in Queensland. Um, how do I know if my blood orange is ready to pick? Well, the true solution, D, to be quite honest, is you'll start seeing fruit start to fall off. And as soon as it's falling off, it is at its ripest point. Uh, certainly very er or very late or early, I think it's actually very early um, with regards to, uh, to that happening. So it does seem a bit strange that a blood orange would be in fruit this year, but maybe it's a variety that I'm not familiar with. But yeah, have a look. Um, wait for the fruit to fall and then you will have the sweetest fruit. Claudia and Gigi Ganup in WA, hello to you. I'd like to find out what can be done about peach leaf curl new to fruit trees and uh, she hasn't sprayed. Uh, Claudia, that is a pretty common problem at the moment. Everybody's asking the question. There's nothing you can do except for picking off the damaged leaves right at the moment and giving the plant a feed because it's really going through strong growth spurts. So you need to actually support that growth. And what I would suggest you do is, uh, is you give it a feed, get it ready to go, and we will be, we will be uh, all seeing a very healthy peach tree. One thing that you should be aware of is that you do need to spray for that in the winter when the foliage has gone. Um, so that's a, um, that's a really important thing. I've got lots of people calling me this morning. Alicia, we've got you back. Yay! Hey, that's it. That's great. Lovely, lovely to see you this morning. I'm great. Was, sorry about that little technical problem, but it's nice to have you with us. Yeah, lovely. Now, Alicia, tell me, what do you do at Love the Garden? So I'm the category, category manager for lawns and controls. Right. So, so you know I all about lawns? Wide range of, sorry? You know all about lawns? I know all about lawns. Wonderful. Now, it's the time of the year that you actually do something about it, isn't it? Because they're coming out of winter. The winter weeds are dying off. Hopefully they're dying off. Um, yeah. The summer weeds yeah. will be starting to come if you don't get your lawn growing strongly. Yeah, what, yeah. What are, your, what are your tips? Well, firstly, look out your window and have a look at how your lawn is looking at the moment. Um, in most cases, a lot of people are seeing a lovely green lawn, which is great. Mm. Um, what we do need to look at is... You know, are we able to feed that lawn to build it up to make it stronger and promote the growth? Um, yeah. What we do see sometimes is that we, you know, the, the weather that we've had in the past, say, week or so may have washed some of those nutrients away. Yeah. And therefore, we need to put some of those nutrients back into our lawn and feeding via a fertiliser is the way to be able to do that. So. So, so tell me now, one of the things that we talk about on The Garden Gurus all the time is that not all fertilisers are the same. And, no, yes. Uh, there, there are there's certain times of the year when you need certain types of fertiliser as well. So um, there's there's a couple of things that I've really noticed with my lawn. I was looking at it this morning and uh, where I did have a bit of winter grass in there and everything else, that's all in the last two weeks has just died off. And suddenly I've got these patches and I was watching a story that Sue McDougall did on The Garden Gurus. And uh, it was really interesting because she's got the Scots top dress. Now, top dressing is something that you tend to do at certain times of the year. Now is one of those times, isn't it? Because if you don't sort of top dress those patches, you're not encouraging the grass to knit back in and grow through, right? 
Exactly, exactly. And I mean, with some of the rain that we've had in some parts of the country as well, um, I mean, it may be, the lawn may be a little bit sodden underfoot, so we may actually need to use some of that top dress to address some of that to protect the grass and protect the roots. Um, and then, it, I mean, using it in those damaged areas and the little patches that we've got are going to only promote a healthier lawn later on. Yep. Yep. Now tell me, tell me a little bit about the feeding side of things. So, so um, it depends, you know, we're a big country, we've got so many climatic zones, so it's very difficult to talk generally. I, I really understand that better than most people. But, you know, I know that, you know, where we're coming out of winter in the southern states and we do have patches like I've got and, and now I'm top dressing obviously with the Scots top dress, which includes a wetting agent to make sure that the water's yeah. getting into those patches so that it does encourage the grass to grow in and through it. Um, but in some of the other parts of the country, um, the, the, the lawn is actually sort of, sort of New South Wales and Queensland in particular and, and the north of Western Australia and certainly the Northern Territory, um, the weather's warmed up. The lawn's actually growing quite fast. So it's more about supporting that growth, isn't it? But you yeah. don't want to go throwing masses of nutrient at it in no. one hit. Yeah. That's the yeah. big mistake, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the good thing about the Lawn Builder product is it's a slow release. So it's going to gradually feed the lawn and consistently feed the lawn over a period of like three months. And there are some fertilizers out there that will actually feed the lawn, which is great, but they dump a whole lot of nutrients on the lawn. And what yeah. you'll see, you'll see the grass grow, which is, you go, oh, wow, fantastic. But yeah. at the same time, you're going to be on the mower. So yeah. and in most cases, and myself included, because I do the mowing around my house. So I'm impressed. <laughs> I don't, want, I don't want to be on the mower anymore than I have to be. So yeah. I'm happy, like I, I need, well, I prefer the slow release so mm -hmm. that I know it's actually building a thicker lawn rather than actually this surge growth. And then after that surge growth as well, what you find is those the nutrients will leach away and then you'll be left with nothing and you'll need to, to obviously fertilise again. So the lawn builder is a slow release. It'll last for three months and can feed consistently. Yep. means that it'll actually build deeper roots and a thicker lawn and a greener lawn as well. This, this is a significant problem. I'm trying to emphasise to people all the time, go to the slow release technology when you're, when you're looking at your lawn. Lawns, plants generally are like us. They need small amounts every day. If you feed me today, but don't feed me for another four weeks, I'm yeah. not going to be looking too good by the time I get to the four weeks. And then okay. if you dump a whole bunch of food on me at that time and I eat it all then, I'm not going to be feeling very good about that. And then I'm going to starve for another month. So um, small yeah. amounts every day is vitally important. And there's a lot of science that says, and, and this, I know with you guys, there is so much science behind Lawn Builder and that's what makes it so special. But with those fast release fertilizers, 90% of the nutrient leaches below the roots before yeah. it's ever been taken up. So that can only go one place and that's into groundwater and groundwater usually flows into rivers and that causes those algal blooms that we see kill fish and wildlife and nobody wants to do that. And of course, it's just wasted money as well, isn't it? It is. I was just about to say, you're just wasting your money with it. So, yeah, so so get, yeah no. Get slow release. Now, tell me, this. you guys have got an interesting product. Um, you call it, I think it's extreme green, right? <laughs> and it yes. just brings this, like, so I, um, I not that long ago had, um, had a family birthday party at my place and I wanted the lawns to look as dark green as they could. And we're still coming out of winter. It was a little bit on the sort of yellowish side, which cold weather can, can do that. And uh, I hit them with the extreme green. And within seven or eight days, we got this beautiful dark green, like really yeah. dark green result. Tell me about that product. Yeah, look, extreme green is our faster acting granular mm -hmm. fertilizer. Um, so it does, it's something like we sort of say, you know, if you feed it on, on Tuesday and you've got an event coming up on the weekend and you've got family coming over and you want to play out in the lawn and things like that, extreme green is perfect for that because you can feed it during the week. You don't even need to water it in. You know, you can oh, let wow. the rain just fall. So, you know, because we are expecting quite a bit of rain over the next few months. So, yep. um, yeah, you can just leave it, apply it. It takes about 10 minutes. Um, leave it, let the rain soak in, um, and then by the weekend you've got this lovely lush lawn and hopefully all your visitors come fun. around and say how fantastic it looks. All, all that for a little effort. <laughs> I know, that's the way it should be, right? 
And of course, the neighbours neighbours admire your lawn as well, so it creates a bit of competition in the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nothing like a bit of competition. So, yep. so tell tell me, you guys have been very kind you've come up with a bit of a uh, competition pack for us we have we have so we're giving away five packs of exactly extreme green so this uh-huh. is extreme green here so right. just like that it's yep. available in bunnings but also um what we what we find we've got we've got we offer spreaders um yep. and what a spreader actually does is allows the even distribution of fertilizer so um, we've got the benefit of slow release, but it's also important to actually distribute the product evenly over your lawn so you don't get clumps in the other parts of the lawn yeah. and you don't see growth in one area and not the other. So yeah. the spreader is just, it is the most niftiest little um, um, spreader to actually apply in, say, a reasonably small space. I mean, my backyard is about 130 metres squared, so I apply it. It takes me less than 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, done. Those spreaders spreaders are sensational and they're really important because the big mistake a lot of people do is they put their hand in the bag and they throw it and you end up with those those green strips, you end up with lines actually through where there's excess nutrient and then there's other patches that miss out. So this is a terrific way to do it. It's it's obviously the technology that professionals use. They've relied on Lawn Builder in golf courses and professional green keeping for – I don't know, decades now. And, yeah, and this, yeah. this is this technology that's available to the home gardener. So it's a really cool thing. And that, yeah. those, those packs, so what have people got to do to win? So I, I believe you just need to send in a photo of your lawn and uh-huh. make some comments on, on today's show. Um, ask some questions. We'd love to hear lots of questions. Um, I mean, we, we tend to find everybody likes to sort of send a photo of their lawn, ask us what type of grass that you have or how yeah. I should be applying it, even photos of individual pro, um, problems that you've got in your lawn yeah. um, that we can we can try and address and try and help people out. Um, but, yeah, it, it'll be um, the so five packs we've got to give away um, for those that do want to comment and we'll obviously do a draw and give those packs out by the end of the week. Fantastic. That's great. Alicia, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Lots of good advice there. Yeah, thank you very much, Trevor. No worries. Nice to see you. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye. All right. See ya. So that's uh, there's a little bit of lawn care for you and uh, it's coming from the experts. These guys are the best of the best. They really do some pretty incredible stuff. Now, let's uh, let's go to, <laughs> to some questions. Oh, I'm getting, thanks, Adam. Adam's not told us where he is, but he said, looking good, Trav. We've been working out trying to keep fit and healthy. If you know anything about Nigel Ruck, you know, he's a pretty competitive guy. The two of us are constantly at each other. We want to live a long time. We want to be spending lots of time in the garden. Got to do that. Got to stay fit and healthy. So that's what it is, Adam. Thanks for giving us a hard time. (laughs) Graham, I've got an Australian native cherry. Now, Exocarpus capressiformis. That's very good. Well, it's sometimes called the the ballard cherry or cherry ballard. you want to propagate new trees from seed, but I'm told it's difficult. Can I do it? Now, I do know a little bit about the seed of this tree, and one of the tricks with it is the seed's got to dry, but before you go planting it, so uh, you know, put it into a propagation mix. Um, Osmocota have this fantastic propagation mix that now that you can plant seeds into or you can alternatively uh, grow cuttings in. It's the same mixture, so just buy a bag of that. Put it in pots. Now, the trick with the seed is you let the seed dry, then you boil water, um, pop the seed in the bottom of a container or a glass or something like that, pour the boiling water over it, and you leave it, and you just let it sit until the water's cooled. Then you take the seeds out and you plant them straight away into that mix, and you should probably get at least 70 to 80% germination, if not 100% using that that uh, that little trick. Uh, so I hope that helps, Graham. That's really good. Really good question. Thanks very much. Jill uh, from Victoria, my lawn's full of weeds and the more I pull, the more they come back. Daisies, oxalis, what can I do? Jill, one of the most important things to do, and I think that it's uh, it's really vitally important that you do make sure that you mow on a regular basis. In fact, if you were to mow your lawn twice a week, quite low this time of the year, you'll take out 90% of those weeds. You can definitely use the hose on weed and feeds. They tend to take all the oxaluses out and whatever it is, the bellus daisies or whatever it is that's coming through. But it, it really gets down to mowing. If you mow low, regularly, twice a week, three weeks, 
you'll find 90% of those weeds will disappear. How's that? All right, I've been doing a lot of talking. I'm pretty good at that apparently, according to my wife. Um, the, uh, the plant of the week, I wanted to show you, um, there's actually a little bit of a selection because the weather is warming up and we're going to start all start getting the hot days that Perth's going to experience today. 37, I still can't get over it. How did I end up filming today? I don't know, but I will be filming later on outside. This is a very special plant. So it's a tomato. You all know tomatoes, but this is a grafted tomato. And I'm going to try and show you, I'm going to spread it around. Um, I'm going to show you. Can you see the little clip there? And if you have a look, there's actually two stems there. Now it's got a wild, um, very vigorous uh, rootstock that's been grafted in a little side graft into this plant. And what a grafted tomato does, if you don't have a lot of room, you only have room for one plant, this plant here, will produce somewhere between 500 and 1500 fruit and it can live for up to two years purely because it's been grafted. The effect grafting has on plants with regards to vigour and productivity is, is enormous. So most states in Australia sell grafted tomatoes in their garden centres and uh, so this one's going in my garden a bit later on. It's part of my story today. Just a couple of other things you should be planting right at the moment. Um, cucumbers, definitely. Of course, planting them from seed is probably the easiest way, but it's not quite as demonstrative as, uh, as this. Zucchinis, both of those two, really important. And the plants that really perform well in hot conditions, and I'm just going to grab them, pull them over and show you. Eggplants, now's the time for eggplants to go into my garden. Uh, this one here, now, I don't know who came up with this idea, but um, the Trinidad scorpion chili, and there are a few different types. Um, when it comes to 10 out of 10, or a scale of 10 for heat, this particular one is at least 15. It is red hot to the point where it, it literally puts people down on their bottoms after they've um, chewed on it. It just knocks you for six. The other thing in the same family as tomatoes and, and the whole, uh, the chilies and that whole group of, of heat loving plants are capsicum. And there's a whole bunch of different types. Uh, there's a lot of like chocolate ones and stuff, but there's also some lovely striped ones. Um, and you want to keep your eye out for them. These are generally the heirloom varieties that, uh, that you'll find. They love the sun. They love feeding. Right now is the time to really be getting them moving and, and motoring along. And that's what the story will be that I do a bit later today. In my own garden, I'm looking forward to... Um, Looking forward to uh, to uh, sharing that, which will pop up in a couple of weeks' time on the Garden Gurus on Saturday, right across the country at 4.30 p.m. Now, uh, just getting a few notes through from our producer. Quick question from Sue, how do I enter the competition? So it's to the Facebook page, post photo of your lawn. You will be in the running. Uh, the guys at Love the Garden will be helping answer your questions. Make sure you give us some... Uh, give us some questions or, or even at least some comments about your lawn and, and how you love it. That's um, it's really good. Visit the Garden Guru's online store and browse through a collection of high-quality, German-made wolf garden tools. You'll also find a range of books with information to help create and maintain a beautiful garden. You can also access the online store on the Garden Guru's Facebook page. Use the code GURUS for free shipping on orders over $30. Offer ends 31st of October. This program is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and Scott's Performance Naturals. Scott's Performance Naturals is the 100% natural and sustainable way to grow and feed your garden. Backed by years of research and developed by scientists, the technology employed enhances natural processes, allowing extra strong growth. The Performance Naturals range contains organic materials such as nature N, blood and bone, seaweed, biostimulants, manure and feather meal to improve the soil, and encourage microbial and earthworm activity. To find out more about the Scott's Performance Naturals range, head to lovethegarden.com.au. I'm really excited because um, one of one of my favourite presenters on the Garden Gurus, and uh, she's she's so knowledgeable. She's young and clever and smart and beautiful, and knows so much. And I always get so much out of her presentations. Is Bonnie Marie Hibbs? Good morning to you, Bonnie. Hi, good morning. <laughs> How are you going? Fun, sorry. How was that for an intro? 
It was it was very flattering. I'm actually blushing a little bit. <laughs> uh, you, you know, the, Nigel would never get any of those sorts of comments. So you don't you take it all and enjoy it while you can. Uh, I will. But, I will. <laughs> it's lovely to see you. How are things going in Victoria? Um, very very positive. Um, a lot of excitement too. So I'm at work again today, and we reopened on Wednesday, and yep. it was crazy busy. Um, and the the general, I guess you could say, vibe from everyone is that they're really excited to finally get out and pick the plants and get back into their gardens a bit more. So it's been really, really fun and a bit weird too because, you know, being in a retail without customers has been very odd and we got used to that. And yeah. now that everyone's come back in, you sort of think, oh, oh, there's a person. <laughs> so so it's, been, it's been really nice though. It's been good to see well, people again. Bonnie, I, I sort of have uh, got lots of family in Victoria and, and, and lots and lots of good friends and certainly lots of friends in the garden industry over there. And talking to a few of them uh, this morning and, and yesterday, one of the comments that's been passed is um, a pending problem possibly in that everybody's rushed in and they're buying so many different plants and there's not a lot of stock left. It's selling out rapidly, isn't it? Yeah, so my, my position here, I was doing the buying for the seedling department and I did that for about seven years and I've taken it back over just for a short period of time and now, this, never is at Garden my, World. this is at Garden World um, yep. and never in those seven years have I had to do four seedling orders in one day because the stock comes in and it's gone by half a day so it's wow. been incredibly busy um, stock as well during lockdown was sold out of state understandably with a lot of suppliers too um, because the retailers were closed and now that we've opened up, we probably didn't expect quite the demand and the stock levels are just not there. So there will probably be a gap for probably about a month or so, but we've still got plenty of stock. We've got heaps of stock, but there's those particular lines you might have trouble finding. Um, they're mm -hmm. probably just a few weeks away, but it's been incredible, incredible the amount of stock that um, has been going out the door. Yeah. yeah, that that is remarkable. Now, tell me what what are the weather conditions like at the moment in Victoria? So, you know, from a planting point of view, what should people hmm. be thinking about putting in? What do they need to do? So, do you still have to watch out for frosts, or are they all pretty much over now? Um, it's it's been a really wet spring for us. Um, so frost, there's no danger of frost anymore. So all your spring sort of summer crops are good to be planted now and it's funny a lot of my colleagues and I we were talking about how we we because we've been so cold we still feel like we're in winter and we're waiting for spring to happen but the reality is we're almost into summer stock now so we've sort of been robbed of a spring in a way but yeah. um so there's a lot of spring stock that has come and gone but now we're going into the real fun tropical things but in terms of veggies now is actually a really perfect time to be planting your tomatoes and things like that it's melbourne cup weekend here even though it's not happening but um yeah. this is traditionally the time that you'd plant all your spring veggies in the ground so it's perfect timing really to go get them and i did hear that the uh, the roses are a little bit later this year because it has been cooler and wetter yeah, it's been incredible the amount of rain. So we we had two sunny days um, this week and it's been really gloomy and wet prior to that. Today is overcast, a little bit drizzly, um, but it's been incredibly, incredibly wet. Um, so a lot of stock is delayed in its growth, but the roses yep. have been coming through and I must say they look really beautiful. They've got nice big plump um, blooms on them at the moment and they're just starting to come into flower. So they're looking oh. good if, you, if you're going out. Gorgeous. Now, quick one for you. Um, over, over here in the West at the moment, um, all my brassicas, and it's a common problem this time of the year, every year, are uh, getting suddenly with a, a bug called diamond moth. So it's a, a little tiny caterpillar and it starts damaging the leaves and yeah. it can get into plague proportions. Is kind of the, I, I treat that with yellow sticky traps and because it's most active mm. at night, um, some bright lights and, again, um, sticky traps or sort of baits around is effective. What are the bugs that are sort of um, in your garden at the moment and what are you doing to control them? Um, we've seen a lot of aphids starting to emerge now that we're getting some consistent warmth. Um, I, I'm a fan of just going along and squishing them off. A lot of people don't like doing that, so that's where the sticky traps are good. And... The sticky traps now come with the protective shielding, which is really good. So we um, Thank you don't for have mentioning to worry. That. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's, um, a whole, there's a whole bunch yes. of people at the moment typing a nasty comment. Trevor, and you're <laughs> but now you've saved me. Thanks, Bon. Yeah, it's, and it's a really good thing that the suppliers have done. They've put that little protective cage on them, and it's the same with um, the gall wasp traps. So they're also something that we're putting out now in our trees just as a preventive. Yeah. Um, we've seen lots of caterpillars in general just starting to make their way around the garden and also snails. Snails have been unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> they've, been, they've been so bad this year, but you can put snail baits down, but I tend to do the old beer trick, which I think I mentioned to you last time, but that's, yeah. that's one of my favourite ways to drink Yeah, them. I, I love, I, I don't mind sharing a beer with uh, some snails because <laughs> uh, at the end of the day yeah. they enjoy it as much as we do, but they don't handle it as well. <laughs> I, I, I tend to favour a whiskey over a beer, but they can drink yeah. all the beers. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Hey, Bon, we've got a question. I'm just going to duck back into some questions. I've got a question from Gabby in Melbourne, and she's asking about cooch grass invading garden beds. It's a pretty big problem over here in the West, and I know in South Australia all the gardens have been in. Those people who have cooch grass, often it'll make its mm. way into garden beds, and it's one of those grasses you pull it out by hand and you're literally propagating it. You're encouraging it to spread, aren't you? Yeah, it's, it's a hard grass. It's such a robust grass, and in that sense it's really good, um, but the way it spreads it can be quite painful and they can go almost a metre, half a metre down and you just find the runners. Um, I personally don't spray for it i just yeah. um tend to do a lot of garden edging i try and give myself a day in the week or one day out of the week so it's usually my saturdays and that's my weeding day and yeah. i just go around and i try and tame my borders but you can also buy plastic um garden edging that goes to maybe about i'd say 20 to 30 centimeters in depth yeah and you can hammer that into the ground as sort of some sort of barrier so hopefully they hit it and they grow the other way yeah, that's the thing is if you've got if you've got the barrier, it's a good thing. But with it already being in the garden bed, if you are going to go through and pull it out, one of the things I used to do uh, was I used to always get newspaper and put big layers of newspaper down and then put a lot of mulch on top of that. And nine times out of ten, anything that popped up would be smothered out. So it is a good way to knock it back. It's not going to do it 100%. Uh, with the first hit, you might have to do it two or three times, Gabby, but that's certainly a solution. Professionally, the, the professionals use a product called Fusillard. I don't know whether you've heard of it, Bonnie. It's, well, it's I think we've got that. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's really mainly sort of sold through stock feeds or you'd go to it like a gyms or a professional mower operator and um, they tend to, to carry it. Um, and it needs to be sort of really done and applied by a professional because it's quite a toxic chemical, but it's a very unusual chemical in that it only kills grass. So you can spray it over the garden bed, over all the plants, and it'll only kill those plants that come from the Poaceae family, so the, the grass plants, which is really, really different. But it, And it kills it all the way down. So uh, that's called Fusillard, Gabby. I'm sure you're writing that down madly. But you do need to speak to your, I think, really to probably your local lawn contractor would be the ideal scenario. So um, so that, that's that's our question. Bon, is there anything else we need to know about Victoria? Who's going to win the Melbourne Cup? Oh, I'm, I'm not a horse person. I wouldn't be able to tell you. I don't even know who's running. <laughs> You know, when I, I was a kid, I grew up on a dairy farm and my grandfather's hobby was training standard breads. And um, oh. I, I, the, I absolutely loved the fact he had horses because I had an endless supply of horse manure. <laughs> I guess that's a really good thing if you're a gardener, you can use it for that. See, my yeah. parents, um, when I was living with my parents, they have cattle and we used to use the good old cow patties in the garden. <laughs> I worked a treat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, two, of, two of the best manures you'll ever get too. Hey, Bon, look, thanks for joining us this morning. We're hoping that things continue heading in a great direction in Victoria. It's, yeah. it's been such a great week to see the numbers coming right down, things opening up, yeah. people smiling again, getting out, getting some sun. I know there's still that 25K limitation, but that yeah. hopefully opens again really soon. And, and hopefully. Yeah, and hopefully we're going to see a film crew out in your garden with you doing a lot more real soon. Thank you, Trevor. It's been so good to see you too and the rest of the team and all the viewers and that. It's been really nice. <laughs> well, you take care and we'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us. No. See ya. Bye. Wow. What a great girl she is. She is so smart. Um, I love her passion. And I have a whole bunch of questions that have come through.
And so I'm going to fly through them. They're coming from all over the country. Uh, just about everybody has given us their um, their state, which is great, starting with June in Sydney. And June, June's got a really good one, actually. She's got strawberries growing in a pot and she's getting big, beautiful strawberries, but they tend to get eaten before they're ready to be picked. And it's probably wood lice or slaters or possibly slugs. They're the two most common things. And if you want to get rid of them, a really simple way to do it is to actually put straw around the outside of the pot because they won't cross over it to go into the pot and eat the fruit, which is what they're doing. They're climbing up the side and grabbing hold of that fruit and eating it. And they tend to be really active at night. Now, the straw is actually how strawberries got their name. So the French were the first ones to really sort of grow strawberries um, commercially. And they called them phrase berries, uh, fragrant uh, berries. So that it made a whole bunch of sense that uh, that was the name. But when the English were going across and buying the fruit at the markets, uh, they would say, these fruit are fantastic. Um, can we have a look at the farm? They'd look at the farm and all the way up the line of strawberry plants, there would be straw packed on the outside. And that was how the farmers were controlling snails and slugs getting to the fruit and damaging the fruit. So it stopped them from getting in. And that's how it got its name. The, the English looked at it and they said, well, they're strawberries. So that's, that's a good solution. And I would suggest you do that because it's a chemical free way of doing it. And strawberries are highly absorbent. They're in uh, what they call the dirty dozen, the, the 12 most absorbent fruits that if they come in contact with pollutants or chemicals uh, or heavy metals, they'll absorb it in through their flesh. So you don't want that. You don't want to be using chemicals because you don't want to be ingesting it yourself. Irene in Bundaberg in Queensland, she's got a large custard apple tree, 12 to 15 years old, plenty of flowers, but the majority of fruit drop off at about a marble to golf ball stage. So we're talking about that size. And she's only had five full grown fruit. Now she fertilizes along with our other citrus and other fruit trees. Do you need a second tree? With custard apples, you can do. Um, there's certainly a self fertile element to custard apples. I have a very, very prolific self fertile custard apple. But the thing with custard apples is they're a bit different to a lot of other fruiting plants. They're actually, they're actually fertilised. Their male and female flowers are cross-pollinated by ants. And a lot of people don't like ants in their garden. They think, oh, it's, it's, you know, it could be sort of farming scale or, or other pests, which ants do. But ants also do a lot of good. And in this particular instance, they are the ideal pollinator. So if you want to bring some ants a bit closer to your tree... And I know it's cheating and you don't want to do it too much because it's, it's not great. But one way to do it is to actually paint the base of the tree with honey. And if you do that, ants tend to appear out of nowhere. And once they realise that the tree is a food source, they'll start moving up and down. Uh, when the flowers appear, obviously, is when you would do it. And once they move between the flowers, they'll cross-pollinate the fruit. And you should get a lot better setting of fruit. That's all it is. Those small fruit that just weren't pollinated properly, they just don't develop. So I hope that helps you, Irene. Um, custard apples are unbelievably good for you. From a health point of view, they are rich in particular antioxidants that are absolute cancer fighters. So that is a fruit that we should all have in our diet. Um, whether, you, whether you like the texture or the flavour, it doesn't really matter. Even if it means throwing it into smoothies, you should be making sure you get into your diet. There's certainly, um, certainly some pretty pretty scary things gone. Michelle's quickly dropped in a question about um, what are other absorbent fruits? So that dirty dozen, uh, the ones that are most common, peaches, nectarines, apricots, any of those summer fruit, those stone fruit tend to be highly absorbent. Um, you can also have the same problems with mangoes. So those, those fruit, the berries, they all tend to be highly reactive to chemicals. The, the skin generally, if it's very, very soft, um, thin skin, you'll find that uh, chemicals can penetrate into the flesh where it's often stored and actually sits in there for some period of time anyway. And um, that's the last thing you want to be ingesting. So wherever you can, avoid spraying uh, chemicals. It actually reminds me, in my garden at the moment, I've got some some quite nice little um, apricots. They're just getting to that stage. And not every state ha has this problem. South Australia is not meant to have it at all, but um, fruit fly, significant problem. And right now, I mean, this weekend, it's time to be setting up your sticky traps hanging out the trees, the ones in the cage, of course. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, and uh, the other one, of course, is your actual fruit fly traps. And you should be putting three or four or five 
into an apricot tree. Um, I know it sounds like a lot, but you don't want to lose your fruit to uh, to fruit fly. You want to be able to enjoy it, and there is nothing better than freshly picked apricots. Believe me. Thanks, Michelle, for that question. Great question. Yvette in Melrose in South Australia, she's got some potato plants that have gone crazy. If I cut the tops off, will they produce more potatoes? No. Um, so with potatoes, uh, I'm, I'm actually harvesting mine. So that's, it's interesting that yours are growing so strong. But I'm about to go laying a, a whole bunch more down. And the way I do it, I, I literally dig out a trench and then the fruit will go into the bottom, a little bit of sand over it. So it's like a gully like this. Um, the fruit starts producing, um, the, the potatoes start producing shoots. They start growing up. And as they grow up, I keep pushing the soil in on the side and I build it up. And by the time the plant is this big above the ground, it's growing out of a mound about this big. And within that mound is where all the fruit, all, that, all the potatoes will develop. They actually develop off the growth stem. So you want to give it as much as you possibly can to, to actually uh, get fruit and you will get lots of them. So I hope that that helps. The trick, Yvette, with potatoes too is not to feed them with a high nitrogen-based fertiliser. There are uh, fertilisers that are specifically formulated for potatoes, often sold as potato E and I think in South Australia they sell as potato D manure. Um, keep your eye out for that. If you do need to feed them, that's the way to do it. But to be quite honest, the fact they're going crazy, Good sign. Well done. Mel, we're not sure where you're from, Mel, but something's eating your fruit tree leaves. You saw on one of the shows there's a spray for leaf eating and sucking insects. What is it? There are a lot of sprays out there. I've got to tell you, I'm not 100% sure which one we've recommended here, but the truth of the matter is that uh, there are specific fruit tree sprays. Um, if something is eating the leaves, it would be highly likely that it's a grub of some sort. So um, my suggestion, Mel, would be that you duck into your local garden centre, even with a few leaves in a plastic bag and say, look, I've got this problem. Do you think you could just connect me with the right um, chemical to control it? Valerie, again, we don't know where you are. Valerie, tell us and we'll make it, it'll make it a lot easier. I do know the, the problem that you're going through at the moment, though. So... Uh, she's got gardenias, the leaves are going yellow and that's a really common problem coming just out of the tail end of winter and into spring um, before the warm weather kits, kicks in. Gardenias are a warm climate plant, they love the warmth um, and when the leaves go yellow it's a classic sign of lack of three of those greening uh, elements. So it could be, could be sort of manganese, it's possible, highly likely it's iron um, or equally as likely that it's magnesium. Now, magnesium you apply copper. Uh, you sorry, you apply over the um, the actual plant itself, not uh, over the foliage, not copper, but magnesium through the form of Epsom salts. So you literally mix it into a watering can, water it over the foliage. That will help a lot. Iron chelates are really good for uh, rapid greening because uh, they're very fast acting, and that will bring your gardenias back pretty quickly and there's quite a few of those tropical plants that are going through that same problem at the moment. So the, the greening agents um, are the ones to apply but don't go throwing a lot of nitrogen, you don't need that. Uh, Louise in Sydney, how do I, how best do I grow mini watermelons? Thank you. Uh, the best mini watermelons I've ever seen are actually grown in pots believe it or not. The plant loves being in a, in a larger pot about a 30 or 40 centimetre pot um, and you know they're not a huge plant and they're not uh, they don't produce massive numbers of those watermelons but they do produce quite a few and they're beautiful little fruits that are extremely sweet so you could do it in pots um, or do them in mounds when you're in Sydney like if you've got a garden bed mound up a big round area around about a metre or so across um, with the highest point and plant into the top of that. Make sure you've got lots and lots of composted organics, really important with watermelons, good free draining soil, and just keep the water up to them and they'll do their thing. You don't need to really do a lot with watermelon plants. They will do all the hard work for you. Once you've got fruit setting, if you want the fruit to be slightly larger, one of the tricks that the giant pumpkin growers do is they pick off all the other fruit and all the growth tips. So all the energy goes into that fruit, um, which can be good or bad, but there's a little tip for you anyway. Rupalm in Melbourne. Now I've got chili plants that are one year old and um, the leaves have got lots of black spots and holes. How can I treat this? Rupalm, it, it's cold weather. 
Chile is a, a real hot climate planet, it loves warm conditions. So as the weather gets warmer, you're going to see your chili plants start to improve. And generally in Melbourne, you, you're lucky to get two years out of a plant, to be quite honest. Um, so give them a good feed now, good time to do it. Uh, liquid feed on a weekly basis over the next, say, I don't know, four to six weeks. And as we get into really warm weather, you'll just see your plants will transform and produce a lot of flower and a huge amount of fruit. Uh, let's have a bit of a look down here. We talked about peach leaf curl earlier on and picking off the leaves is a really important thing. Um, we, um, oh, Robin, Robin's given us a good one, actually. Um, we've got a grapevine. It's about, she said it for about four years, never had fruit on it. What are you doing wrong? My granddad on the farm had a great trick. He would lean an ax up against the plant that wasn't performing. It's amazing how they produce flowers or fruit pretty quickly. Robin, it's highly likely that you're giving it too much water, too much fertiliser. So um, generally with plants, it's one of two things, too much love or not enough love. And in this case, I think you're just giving it too much love. So back the water right off it and um, keep it as dry as you can. That'll shock the plant. Hopefully it produces some fruit for you this season, but if it doesn't, it'll set the plant in, in um, survival mode, I suppose and uh, that'll trigger some very strong flowering for next season. So you should, uh, you should do well. Now, I've just got a little bit of a note come through to say thank you to everybody who's entered the Lawn Builder competition so far. Please continue sending us your photos of your lawn and the winners are gonna be announced at the end of the day. How good's that? We've gone through a lot of questions. We've shown you a lot of plants. I've got a film crew that's waiting for me up at my place in my garden to do a little bit of filming later today in 37 degrees. Can you believe it? And, uh, and I'm really looking forward to actually getting in and doing these stories. They're two really cool ones, including that beautiful um, Australia first release uh, indoor plan. I'm going to do a story for the Garden Gurus TV show on that as well. Um, next week, we'll have another guest presenter joining us. I am actually heading to Christmas Island, believe it or not, of all places in the world, with uh, the film crew to do some stories for Destination WA. So I'll be over there next week. So I, I will miss you, but uh, you'll have um, Sue or Neville or one of the, the team over here and um, they'll be... Um, They'll be looking forward to answering your questions. In the meantime, we're back on Monday, so please don't forget about that. We will have uh, all your questions. We'll answer as many as we can. I think we got through 60 or 70 or something last time, so that should get us pretty much up level, so make sure you tune in on Monday. Uh, that is 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Keep that uh, in mind. And remember, you can always listen to today's live stream, catch up on previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcast and Podbean. They are all ways to do it. And most important of all, and thank you so much for your support, but watching Garden Gurus on the weekend on Channel 9 at 4.30 really helps us out. Channel 9, love the program. We love that you support it so strongly and we're always out there doing our very best to share lots of garden inspiration and advice. It's all about loving the garden and they're the guys who brought this program to you. So thanks for joining us. I'm Trevor Cochran. We'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. The Garden Gurus is back on your screens this weekend. Tune into 9 and 9HD this Saturday at 4.30pm across all states. And if you'd like to catch up on the previous episode, tune into 9 Life this Saturday at 5pm. When in doubt, Make sure you check your local TV guide. I got my rig and I'm ready to go.